What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongol, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. The Hounds got the worst of three outcomes in Miami this weekend. It could end up meaning nothing, or it could end up meaning a lot. And we're going to break it all down. Guys, um, we sort of just like jumped into this. Uh, I'm reminded of there's an old SNL saying where they say, like, we don't go live because we're ready. We go live because it's 1130 on a Saturday. <laughs> I feel like that's where this was. We were just like rambling and just like, well, here we are. It's 730 on a Monday. So we're going live. Oi, Josh, how was uh, how was your trip? Pictures look great. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Asheville was a lot of fun. Uh, went to a lot of different shops and checked out. You know the the nightlife there and a lot of great food there. If if you're a vegetarian or vegan in Asheville, it's like cakewalk everywhere has stuff for you. I was really surprised. Um, not that I was good the whole time, but it was <laughs> it was like oh, oh cool I could really uh, do a vegan meal here if I really wanted to. Okay, well put it on the cheese please. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the arcade looks sweet. The arcade and bowling. Oh, yeah, that was awesome, too. There was a uh, pinball uh, kind of like art, like it was kind of like a historic type thing, but it was mostly just you know, you pay 15 bucks and you get an all day pass to play as many uh, pinball and arcade cabinet games as you want. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. And they had like TV set up playing like old commercials, old TV shows the whole time. So it was nostalgia blast. It was a lot of fun. I didn't get any time on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cabinet, though, unfortunately. <sighs> A kid and his father were hogging it the whole time. Lame. Uh, <laughs> Kids are the worst. <laughs> I, I thought I thought of you this weekend because uh, the the boys got a whole a Sam's Club catalog came in the mail or something. I don't know. And they were advertising a pinball cabinet, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" And then I looked at it, and it's not an actual pinball cabinet. The entire top is digital, so you can like cycle through games. And I was like, "Hmm, not the same. That's yeah. not the same." I will say. Um, I don't know when it was. They were at Walmart somewhere. They now sell a Ninja Turtle. Have you seen the Ninja Turtle cabinets that they sell? Yes. Like you put in your house? Yeah, it's like, I think One Up is the name of the company yeah. that does them. They have a whole bunch of different ones, but yeah. And those, doing a digital version of an arcade cabinet is a lot different. I feel like that's a lot more analysis to like getting the real thing than yes. getting a pinball machine that's digital. Yes, so I like, agree. I would totally do that. Like They're called like main cabinets where it's like... Mm -hmm main uh where you just have all the games on one cabinet that's that's a legit idea yeah kev where do you stand on real pinball versus digital pinball i think we we sound like old curmudgeons and if there is a youth <laughs> youthful uh, outlook Youths? on this stuff Youths? then uh they'd be like what's wrong with digital like I, yeah I, it's thank you i i think i think they're cool like you know i have no no problem against it i don't know one good with digital i have uh Actually, you can see in the background a VR headset right there. Mm -hmm. um, you can play pinball. There's like a good VR pinball where it feels like you're standing at the cabinet and playing pinball. And oh, that, I was like, are you the really ball? Cool. Like, what do you do? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like you're at a pin, like an arcade, but you're playing yeah. the, the pinball machine. The That's reason cool. why digital doesn't usually work that well is because like you can't see the 3D space. Yeah in the pinball machine like you know like that's one of the cool things about pinball is you can see down into the cabinet so yeah. playing in a vr it has that 3d space so it feels more realistic yeah that's a bit of a segue we are not live on facebook tonight because facebook doesn't exist tonight um it's been down pretty much all day so um yeah josh um i was gonna make a comment about i don't know if you can get a vr today but do you is it an oculus 
It is an Oculus, so you can't. Uh, although, yeah. just so you know, it is up at the second. Uh, oh, Facebook okay. and uh, Instagram are back up now. So. When we set when we set up the show, it was unavailable, and I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh yeah, it's been down like all day." Yep, it's <laughs> very convenient considering all the news surrounding Facebook. Whoo! Um, what else is going on, Kev? How was your weekend? That was good. Uh, normal stuff. Uh, had some leisure Saturday morning. We uh, I think we you know went to the farmers market. Went to like this little bakery place, got a croissant and a coffee, went to the park and sat there and had it. It was, it was a nice morning. You just like described the opening scene from Up. You know that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you talked about us being like old curmudgeons. Like, <laughs> it's like the crossover between hipsters and like old people is just like getting closer and closer. And that's just what it is. Oi. Yeah. Um, my wife was, my wife uh, went on a girl's trip with her sisters this week. Or this weekend. So it was me and the boys. But there was a lot of soccer. We went to a game in Leechburg. And then had the Hounds game Saturday night. And then watched Aston Villa lose on Sunday morning. To my gloating son who is a Tottenham fan. So that was that was awesome. <laughs> so it's definitely been. Yeah. I hear him in the other room. You're like Tottenham. Yeah. So like it's been it's been a weekend. Um, but I guess we kind of need to talk about this game. Um, so say, we've delayed this for a long I, time. It's listen, been five and a half minutes. If it was up to nonsense. me, I'm reading, I'm reading the Overstory, which is a great book. I, I thought we could just do like a review of that tonight. Like just, you know, just talk about how great that, or have you guys seen the show um, Only Murders in the Building? Fantastic show. It has like a perfect score. You haven't seen it, Josh? No, I haven't heard of it. Oh, this. you got to check it out. So it's, it's, it's Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. And they're basically they create like a true crime prod true crime podcast in their apartment after somebody uh the originally think it was suicide but they think that he was murdered so it's like the three of them bumbling around trying to solve this mystery and it's so well done it's on hulu um so well done um yeah go check that out um Okay. All right. Here we go. So Josh, you didn't really get to see much of the game because you were in Asheville. So I think what we'll do is I'll sort of set the table and then you can feel free to like ask us things about the game and we'll try to get through it as quickly as we can. So Hounds lost three, two Kenny scored three minutes in. Um, It was a beautiful shot. Dixon sort of just chip the ball up over the defense and Kenny, I don't know if you guys remember like years ago, Landon Donovan had a goal for the U S where he literally like ripped it at the keeper's head. It was kind of like that. Like Kenny <laughs> ripped it over the goalie shoulder into the top corner, uh, like no angle. So beautiful goal. So I'm like, Oh, we're coasting. This is fantastic. Three minutes in. Well, sure enough, basically off the kickoff Miami scores and makes it one, one. So after the fourth minute, it's one, one. Game progresses, 66th minute, Kenny gets another goal. Like, Kenny, our leading scorer at this point. Not really, but it feels like it. Um, Williamson sent in a beautiful cross. Kenny, with a bit of a diving header, kind of, sort of, puts us up 2-1. Again, feeling like, okay, we got this. And then Othello scores in the 83rd minute, and De Silva scores in the 90th minute to put it away for Miami. Kev, any initial takeaways here before we open the floor to Josh? Yeah, no, I mean, so, um, I've yeah, a lot to say on this game, and I'll try to do it piecemeal, kind of spread out over the next you know fifteen minutes that we talk about it. But um, the kind of first swing at it, um, 
it was the foundation of it was an extremely entertaining game where both teams were going for it. Um, I thought this was for 65 minutes, one of the first times all season. Now, I won't say the first time all season, one of the first times all season, but I'll say this was the time that we like were, were more aggressive in this decision, this tactical decision of just kind of going for it. Um, it, it felt like this game more than ever, we were very happy just kind of going like three on three on defense and then just pouring everyone else forward and just making it a tennis match and understanding that, you know what, Miami's going to get chances. We're going to get chances, but we're going to, we're going to hang our hat on, you know, yeah, scoring more goals than you are. Um, I think that happened. I mean, that, that plays itself out in the lineup that that's picked. I mean, I think this is the first time that, Cicerone, Forbes, Dixon, and Williamson all start a game. Um, And it showed, uh, but it was a tennis match, especially especially early on. I mean, and which made for a very exciting game. Um, And it it looked like it was going to pay off. Uh, And then there were stretches where we looked like the substantially better team. Yeah, we looked good. We we, we looked good going forward. And with all our discussions around defense um, so far this season, you you threw up a comment earlier about uh, defensive um, worries. Um, I thought this was an interesting solution to that of saying, you know, fine. All right, look, we'll, we'll just, you know, outgun you and let's, let's see what happens with it. Thought it was going to work. And, and that's the thing. In a lot of ways it did. And then on the 65th minute, look, Lily makes the playoff, you know, playoffs every season. Lily's a great coach. I don't want him to leave. I want him to stay here forever. I, I, he's great. I need to, you know, make sure that gets out of the way. But I think he got it completely wrong on on his subs around like 65 or 70. Um, we go two one up, and he essentially like says, "All right, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna go park five at the back, five midfields, yep. you know, a, a lone striker up top, and we're just yeah, we're gonna park the bus, we're gonna defend." Just like we haven't done that all season. Why would it work? Like, and and especially in this game, we haven't we haven't you know done it well this game. Um, you know, Veet looks look, looked extremely exposed throughout the entire game. Listen, um, all of, I just, you know, we've sort of danced around this a little bit. And I think, you know, we've talked about how one of our jobs is to be a little bit critical here. All three goals came from his side and it looked like they were practically picking on him. When they scored immediately after Kenny's goal, they went straight to him and he was caught sleeping. The second goal was literally a cross field blast to his spot and then just rifled in like, they, Look, they and, and I, I, I agree that he no he didn't play well um i think he, he's he's had a bit of a rough patch but i think w- with with most things in life it's a little bit of column a a little column b whereas i think defensively we could have helped him out a hell of a lot more um uh, he was isolated a lot but that being said yeah no i had the same thought throughout the game i was like hey, it's not having a good game at all um, but, but, but that's anyway, go, quickly going back to this and, and kind of wrapping up my thought around it. Yeah. We, we go to one up and decide we're going to change the entire, uh, theme of the game here and just stop it from being a tennis match and just, just sit on it. And, and as soon as he made it in my head, I was like, that's, this is it that we're not going to win. Like, and, and yeah, it's, they, I think we don't really get a chance from there on out. And Miami piles on the pressure and gets two goals, and it was, it was an easy thing to call at that point. I don't, I don't understand the reasoning of it, to be honest. And uh, and yeah, we got it wrong. Yeah, I, 
What was it was let me, last thing. It, this, this was one of the worst. This was one of the worst feeling games I can remember watching. Um, like especially this season, uh, because because it was so important because we were playing so well because we were creating chances, and then it was just like, all right, like you gotta sit on your hands for fifteen minutes. Like, <laughs> when have we ever defended that well <laughs> over the course of the entire season, especially against a team like Miami? To let you know how bad it is, this is just like a little insight into what goes on in the Sparks household. Um, for a while now, we've been putting uh, the dogs in the garage. They've been sleeping in the garage, which is fine. Some people are like, that's cool. They've literally spent the first 11 years of their lives living outside. So I'm like, you guys, like the garage is like cushy um, because they've just been like having accidents all over the place at night. After this game, I was like, screw it. Stay in. I don't care what I wake up to in the morning. It'll be fine. And so I lucked out. It was fine. But I was just in that mental state of like, if there's literally crap walls a wall, that's fine. It's, it, it's got to be better than this. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting, Kev, to your point about the 65th minute. Up to that point, we were very content on playing our three defenders against Miami's three forwards. Because we knew that with our midfield and our forwards, we were literally keeping everybody else in their half of their field. So Miami's only chances were balls over the top and foot races. And we were basically, you know, placing our bets on our big bodies versus their speedy guys, just trying to keep them at bay enough that they don't get a clear shot. And it was working. And as soon as we went more defensive, the rest of the team stepped up and like we lost all that pressure and it was just, so it was working and it wasn't i mean it was working to the sense of we kept them to a goal for the vast majority of the game it wasn't in the sense that i mean we gave away a lot of chances now i think like in that scenario i think i like francois um i liked him when he was here i think he's a bit overrated i i, I don't think he, i don't think he's a, like a good finisher per se I, I, he had chances in this game um that Cicerone, Dixon, or Forbes, you know, has a higher probability of scoring. Um, and so, like, in, in that sense, it's like, all right, like, sure, let's let, let's let's give let's give uh Cheetah some some chances and see if he can put him away. I mean, that was a kind of a reasonable bet to make. Um, but Josh is shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, in, in that sense, like it worked in a thing because we gave up we gave up a lot of chances, but that was like we knew like we were, we were accepting that because on the other hand, by, by accepting that we were creating a hell of a lot more chances than, than what we normally do. And, and, you know, you know, we're going to score our chances better than you are. That was the bet. And, and you know, for the, it was working and then we stopped doing it. Yeah. So Josh, having not watched this game, um, I'm assuming you saw the final score. I don't know if you saw the highlights. What was yeah. your thought coming into the show? All right, so I, I kind of watched part of the game. Essentially, I had my phone out while walking through Asheville, and I had the, the stream Which I'm playing. sure Liz loved, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Like, you know, stopped at a pizza place, sitting there watching, or, you know, waiting for our food to come out, hang out with everyone. And like, I was still engaged in the conversation with everyone else. They just had the game on, so that way I could see what was going on. Um, so I did watch some of it, but very, very little of it and like not my full attention. And I mean, right off the bat, that that goal and then them getting a goal at the very beginning of the game. So if. If what was uh, Vite was doing so bad, I, do we have anyone to sub him out or like 
Like, I guess we had Judge is the only defender we had on the bench that we didn't end up using. But even Judge is like a left side. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. what's why don't we have a, you know, a solution there? Like, I don't understand, like, even a backup situation. I mean, part of me almost like, you know, I almost feel for Veet because I'm like, are, are you a center back? Like, are you like or are you a like a holding mid? where like you need some coverage behind you, but you're a big body more. There was literally a point right before Kenny's goal. He was literally like in the final third for our team, making the pass to Dixon backwards. Like he was in front of Alex Dixon, making the pass backwards. So I'm just kind of like, I mean, in theory, we could have gone to a back four, like slid the other two defenders over and you put in like somebody like Dover or somebody else in the back position. I mean, maybe Jalen Robinson, too. I mean, he comes in later in the game. Ezra Um, came in late, too. I mean, like Ezra's not going to play. I mean, yeah, he's going to play out wide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Robinson maybe um, could could play that position. it yeah, I mean, look, weird I, we didn't solve him out. Like, if 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 he was a, an issue, if a liability in this game, like, apparently, Lily didn't think so because yeah. he stayed in the whole game. He, he never got subbed out. Well, and Veet has a lot of minutes this season. I mean, yeah. it's you know, this isn't like he. This is his first start in five games or something. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a bit of a digression, but I wanted to make sure I got it in there. I I thought um, Peters played incredible along the back yeah. line, but like the counterbalance beat, um, he he completely shut down Francois for the vast majority of the game. The first mistake he made led to their second goal. Um, he he kind of he got pulled too far out of the back line. Uh, I think chased down Francois, and he and he came out a bit, didn't win the ball, and was left exposed. And they turned and scored. Um, but I thought Peters was incredible. Um, yeah, no, I look, I, I think. I, I just kind of lean back to we're asking our defenders to do extremely difficult things. Um, I think there are worse center backs in the, in the USL that look a hell of a lot better than our center backs because the system is set up to get the, you know, make it easy for them. And and the system is not having, having V go one-on-one for 65 minutes is like, you know, in a scenario where he doesn't want to be pulled out wide. He's a center back. Like, you know, he's, you know, so it's tough. But but that being said, even at that, he's not really covering himself with glory. But but yeah, maybe it's a good point, Josh. I don't I don't maybe Lily doesn't really feel like we have the person to do that. Maybe it is Robinson, but uh, he hasn't had a lot of playing time this season. It's a big game. It's away from home. Feet's played a lot, so yeah, I don't know. That's it, it is tough. Yeah, it does make you think back. I mean, a couple of people during the game, we were live tweeting everything and. Uh, um, which if, you know, if it's an away game and there isn't a watch party, make sure that you guys are joining us on Twitter. We do a lot of gift stuff. It's a lot of fun. But anyway, people were lamenting the fact that like, well, you know, when you have a ton of turnover and like you, you don't keep players like a Greenspan or a Hugh Roberts or even a Toby Adewale, like this is where you sort of end up. Like it's just every year you're just churning through people. I don't know if that's necessarily the case here. I think that offensively this is probably the best team that we've had since Lily got here um I do think that you know if you're gonna go for broke and you're gonna say like we're just gonna outscore you you need to get more than two goals because you're you're putting a lot on your defense at that point to win you the game um so I I do think some of this you know what um Ciceroni hit the post at one point but yeah, it's if if we're getting four or five goals a game, then you can sort of forgive the defense for giving up three. But like, if we're just getting two, then like it's not it's not great. And like the sad part is, this game 
from the little I saw and from the sounds of it, like this could have been a fantastic game to like, you know, look at as far as Forbes mm-hmm. doing his thing and just being a beast, you know, the, our captain, a, a veteran player just ripping up the field. And it looked like that from the highlights and also from, you know, just the sounds of it from on Twitter. It, it sucks that it's this game that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, say what you will, but I mean, it feels like in a lot of ways, these past few games, Kenny has basically put the team on his shoulders and just like dragged them to where we are. Um, we're, we're not getting the results that we would want, but when you're getting two goals a game, like I don't really think that's on you per se, um, especially when, you know, up to coming into this season, we just assumed you'd be a holding midfielder because, you know, you were asking everybody else to do all the running for you. Like it's been complete. It's been the complete opposite for Kenny at this point. So, well, and the kind of like spoken but unspoken thing and, you know, elephant in the room throughout this conversation is, I mean, we arguably haven't even emphasized enough like of how important this game was, (laughs) at least for me, like this, this was a, this was a huge game and it was like, and and now it, for me, it turns the, the, the second away Miami game in two games time, like a must win. Like, like it feels that way, especially if we want to get second. I'm not worried about playoffs, but if we, if we want to finish above Miami, to have it so close and to play so well for the vast, you know, for the majority of the game and for that to happen, yeah. It, this wasn't this wasn't a whatever a one nil well a one nil loss to Loudon, you know, mid season. Yeah. This was this was a big game. Let's let's talk about that. We're gonna jump ahead here just a little bit, guys. But basically. I want to get back. Justin was sharing a bunch of thoughts during the game um, about how uh, we, we we lack like a killer instinct. But we'll get back to that in a second because, Kevin, you sort of led us down this path. We basically have four games left. We have Tampa at home this Sunday. Then we are at Miami. We only have one more away game. That's at Miami. Then we play the Battery. And we play Hartford. Now, the thing that we have going for us, at least, is by the time we play the Battery in Hartford, both of them might be eliminated from playoff contention. So they may not have a lot to play for. That doesn't, that's not a gimme. That just means that they may, they may, that may already be decided, but Tampa has already clinched a playoff spot. So now they're trying to hold on to number one and Miami is currently above us in the table at two. So like these next two games are going to determine whether or not we end up second or in reality, whether we end up fourth, because if you look at Charlotte, Charlotte, who's currently in fourth, have five games left. They sit two points behind us. They play Red Bulls, who are already out. Battery, who may not be in. Hartford, who we said may not be in. Loudon, who are already out. And Austin Bold, who are also outside of the playoff picture at this point, but they have a shot of potentially making it in. So Charlotte, who have basically been crushing everybody the past few games. I mean, you talk about two different teams, you know, one on an upswing and one on a like, "Mm, what are we doing? Charlotte is on an upswing and they're looking to make a case. We very well could end up fourth going into the playoffs. Um, So someone else keeping in mind there. Hounds last win against a side currently in the playoff was July 3rd. Yeah. We have not beat a team who's in the playoffs since July 3rd. Oh, that's I mean, uh, like (sighs) October 4th for those of you keeping track at home. So, yeah, three months. Two months. Wait, no, you're right. Three months. Three months. <laughs> That's right. Um, 
So yeah, the the game against Tampa and at Miami, if we want a shot at second place, we got to win. We got to win. Um, you know, just sort of throwing the uh, the standings up for those who are watching to see. Tampa has just been tearing it up. Miami, we thought we had a shot. They're now tied with us on points with a game in hand. So when we do play them again, like we got to take three points from them to keep them from getting three more points, essentially. And even at that, they could still win the rest of their games and we could still end up tied on points. So like it's it's really not in our hands anymore. We We just have to do what we can. So that's that's what kind of makes this game so frustrating. And granted, we still have four games for us, at least to shake this all out. We could still end up in second. We could end up in fourth. So that's what I sort of meant in the opening in that, like, this could matter a ton. It could matter not at all. But considering what we're seeing, you know, this is a case where we very much could have made our bed. It'd be a different story if Miami went up three nothing and we battled back to make it three two. But we led twice in this game and we still let them win. So that's just like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Silence. We have nothing to add to that, Mike. Uh, look, so I'll, I'll circle back to, to Justin's point because I thought that it was it was a good point. So for those of you, um, if you're on Twitter, you can follow Justin at Just Ashcraft. Uh, you know, he's obviously part of the Mongols crew. Hasn't been on as much. They haven't done the preview shows as much because obviously for those of you who have listened, Justin and Laura Allen have recently moved halfway across the state. So they're still getting settled. Um, we will likely hear more from both of them either in the off season or as we progress into next season. But Justin's a, a hot take, I'll say, immediately after game was the problem with the Riverhounds is not talent, I don't think. It's attitude, killer instinct. The team hasn't shown the ability to put their foot down on a game other than Loudon in Atlanta 2. October 3rd against Miami, which is this past game, we were up 2-1 in the 66th minute. They have 13 shots, only five on target. They give up two goals in the last 10 minutes and lose 3-2. September 25th against Charleston, up 2-0 in the 27th minute. Look like the better team, but can't put another away, and they need an 87th minute equalizer from Dixon. August 28th against Hartford, up 2-1, and now up a man in the 36th minute. 18 shots, 9 on goal, and it takes a stoppage time goal from Cicerone to win the game 3-2. August 11th against Miami, up 2-0 in the 50th. Give up two goals in the next five minutes, and then another, and you lose 3-2. You have to be able to put a team away when they're down, and unfortunately has not happened these last few months. Is that the problem? Is the problem? I mean, it's hard to argue with those numbers. When you look back, a lot of those games I sort of had just like blocked out in my mind. But as I'm reading back through them, I was like, oh, yeah, that game. And oh, yeah, that one, too. It's not good. We so, just switch off. We switch off. We don't seem to like we let our foot off the gas. Killer instinct. Exactly. Like it's yeah. a situation where it just feels like we coast. If we're not, you know, if we're ahead, we start coasting and then we have to hurry up and make up whatever damage was done during said coasting. So it, it, it's so frustrating because it doesn't you're Justin's right. It doesn't feel like it's a talent situation. It's just like a mental thing here. Like, why? Why do we turn off so much? Yeah, I, I guess relating to the killer instinct. Um, I mean, maybe it's a lack of leadership. I mean, look. No, seriously. I mean, Kenny's great, but he's not. He's not like uh, we he's talked not about Captain this in the Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's not Captain Fantastic. Like yelling. He's not a general. He's, he's not like 
out there dragging he leads, everyone. He leads with his actions. Exactly. Yeah, he yeah. leads by example. He's one of the best players we have. He's yeah. he's one of the most you know, skillful players we have. There's no debate in that. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, and I'm trying to think of like, you know, years gone by, what Ryan James gets the captaincy a lot last season. I, you know, I, I would say he had he had some some more leadership qualities, you know, but and and maybe it's something we've we've lacked historically over the past few seasons. But um, I mean, because I, I started this thought like I don't think we have it defensively. I mean, I, I don't think we have like a defensive leader. I don't think we have like a defensive captain. Um, I mean, you can make the argument maybe even like the likes of Cicerone um, for you know Cicerone Forbes, yeah. I, I, but uh, I don't know. it's been it's it was, been Forbes or Griffin. All season, so like, I, and I love Danny. I think Danny is fantastic. Da- there were a couple times in this game that Danny tried to put the team on his shoulders and make stuff happen. And like, I get it, but yeah, I love Danny too. I just he still goes the ground way too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that leads to our guest, Kev. Uh, Dick, no. um, um, yeah, I don't know. I. What'll be very interesting. Do you get, wait, I'm just curious. Like, so do you guys think like, do you think we have a lack of leadership on the, on the field? I don't think that's it. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, to me, I, I can't, you can't really place the blame on the shoulders of a general. You know what I mean? Like a, a leader, a captain, like if the team's switching off, is some guy yelling really going to help that? Because we got that with Bob. <sighs> He's constantly yelling like it, it, you need something more than just someone telling you to, you know, keep going. I, I, I don't think that's what it is. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Videla is I, I, a good yell. Like he's, he's usually pretty, you know, controlling back there from what I've I mean, seen. We, we basically, we, we've had the whole consistency conversation before, and I know a lot of fans have bring it up. We had three starters on the field last night that were with the team last year. I should say three consistent starters. Danny Rivera also started, but like he was not a starter last year. But like that's it. So look, I agree, consistency is a thing for sure. But it, this isn't like the second game of the season, right? No, no, like no, no, four, no. We have I know. Four games ago. I know. It will be interesting. I think there's a couple of different ways that this could all shake out, right? Like we could play Tampa on Sunday, win. You know, we get a we get an adrenaline boost. We then beat Miami, and now all of a sudden we're having a completely different conversation. What kind of no, 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 hold on, just with... hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. We could do that, and all of a sudden now we're a team that's thinking about heading into the playoffs in the upswing. Or Tampa could come to town. We get a draw or lose. Um, we go to Miami in a must-win situation and say we get a draw there and we basically limp our way into the playoffs, at which point we're all predicting like we're out in one or we're out in two. Like that's, that's pretty much it. What will be interesting to me is Kev, you sort of alluded to this earlier that this feels, this formation feels very much like a complete shift for Lily. And if Lily comes back next year and does the same thing, or if Lily's like, Nope, we're going back to the defensive ways and trying to do things the way we did in previous years. And that will be the interesting thing to see. I don't think that he's gotten it necessarily wrong. I do think that when you, I think you, you nailed it, Kev, when you ask this much of your defenders, like you got to make sure that you got the right people in there. And I think, of all of our positions were probably lightest 
there in terms of being able to handle all that pressure. I, okay, so the one thing I'm starting to push back on now is consistency being the issue as far as like, oh, the guys haven't played, you know, two seasons together. So therefore they're they're like it's near the end of the season. Yeah. They've played all the whole season together. Like, yeah, they weren't here last year, but they've been here all season and they've had plenty of time to gel. So like at this point, consistency can't be, you know, the be all end all that we need. Because what would, you know, if, if all these guys came back for next season and they played the first game, like that's not that many, that's not more games really <laughs> in the situation. Like I don't, I don't think you can place blame on consistency this late in the season. No, I, I generally agree with that too, but at the same time, yeah, I, I mean, I think it goes back to as far as like really changing systems or whatever, I think as you would, um, create a system that gets the best out of the players that you have at your disposal. I think maybe in, in previous years, he's looked at a squad and said, all right, my strength lies in defense. Let's build around that. You know, this year, arguably he said, all right, strength lies in attack. Let's build around that. Um, because I think in, in this system, yeah, it's, it makes it difficult for the defenders. I, I bring Greenspan back, bring, you know, Adewale and Hugh Roberts back and put them in the back three in that game against Miami. I I mean, they might play a little better, but I still think they get I still think they get exposed. I mean, and I'm that's kind of I'm trying to underscore just how difficult it is to maybe play against especially though that, that Miami front three. I think that I think that Miami front three is pretty talented and pretty good and they're yeah. I I mean, I really like uh, Akinyode in, in the middle of the middle of the field. I think it's a good Miami team. So, I mean, the, I, yeah, the someone already mentioned it. I I still love Tommy V and I think Tommy V would be incredible in this system, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a hard system and I think it's hard to find defenders to play this way. And in, and on, and in some ways I think Lily has just been like, yeah, try your best. Like, you, like I'm going to kind of throw you out there to your, to the wolves and I hope you swim. Uh, but just know that like, I get how hard this is. I'm, I'm hoping that's what it is. And he just thinks that, you know, at the craps table, this is, this is how he's going to get his win is by, is by, you know, attacking. Yeah. Well, let's let's do this. Um, I want to talk about the collective bargaining agreement because I think it's a really big deal. But first, let's just talk briefly about Tampa comes to town this Sunday. Now, the the one advantage that the Hounds will have in this scenario is that Tampa are basically playing the battery back to back. So this weekend, Tampa beat the battery two to one, but they play them again this Thursday. And then they come to play us on Sunday. So you're going to have a team that basically they just played each other in the weekend. They're going to come out and try to bash each other. The battery have to get a win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. So Tampa is going to be playing a desperate team on Thursday, and then they got to turn around and travel to Highmark to play us. So that's a bit of an advantage uh, for us in this scenario. Realistically, going into this game, where are you setting your expectations? Because I know in most cases we're like, oh, it's a, we can beat them. It's a win. It's a, they're a good team. We can beat them. It's totally going to be a win. But I'm not setting myself up for that, like going in on Sunday. First of all, I should be able to watch it live. But like, I, it's just, I'm tempering my expectations. For this are you game. also going to Asheville, Mike, looking at your No, phone? no, no, no. no. <laughs> I will be working a food booth as part of a fundraiser. But um, yeah, so... Like I'm, I'm hoping to just stop the bleeding and like get a draw. Maybe I don't. I, I'd love a win, but I'm just not 
feeling realistic about it at this point. Josh, how are you feeling? Oh, we beat Tampa before this season, so we can beat them again. I'm not saying that's impossible to beat Tampa, but it is going to be a hard sell. And out of the games we have left, this is going to be the hardest one to get. Um, but I, I, you have to go out there and try to win this like full. Mm-hmm. Like this is like we're pretty much to do or die when it comes to you know what we need to do here. Because um, we haven't even clinched the playoffs yet. Like it's not like we're right. we're guaranteed. There uh, is a scenario by which if Hartford or the Battery lose, or they both lose, then like we get in. If we beat Tampa, I think we get in regardless. But I, there's some numbers thing where we could clinch this weekend, but I'm not counting on any of that yet. So, yeah. So like it's, it's a possibility, but I kind of am with you. Like a draw would be fine by me at this point, just to, you know, kind of ramp back up. But uh, I wouldn't doubt if we saw this be a full out like attack situation again and us trying to just bury them in goals. Yeah. Kev, what are you thinking? And that, yeah, I, I agree with what Josh said. I mean, I'm I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, Josh. So sorry, but or are you like taking like, them I, out at this point since he already said? <laughs> you I, like I, caught I, them with a net, and now you're just like displaying the. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't I don't I don't think draws are like worth it at this point. Like the, yeah. I, the, the, you, like you need to go for the win every game. Um, there's no point in going for draws at this point, um, both for the momentum perspective and just for the pure points perspective. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be hard against Tampa. They, what they've like won every game since friggin' or, you know, early August or something. Um, but, uh, that's not true. I just made that up, but like, you know, it's, you're not not far off, but go ahead. Uh, you know, we, we have them at home. As Josh has mentioned, we've beaten them before, you know, if, if you're, if you're Tampa's manager, you know, and if you're trying to talk us up, this is, you know, we're a wounded animal and our backs against the corner and blah, blah, blah. And so like that all might be true. And I hope it is. Um, and so, no, I mean like in a weird way, I almost, I almost, I feel better about this Tampa game than I do against the Miami game. Cause I think that this is, and this is the most depressing part I'm realizing kind of deep in the pit of my stomach the reason why I'm more worried about the Miami game isn't necessarily because I think Miami's a better team than Tampa. I think it's because there's more on the line against Miami and I'm, and I'm worried that this team just can't show up when it's on the line. And, and this, like this Tampa game doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's kind of a one-off, like whatever, it's a free hit. This, this Tampa team's on a roll. They're number one, you know, let's just go out and play. We're not, we're not going to catch them. So like, but yeah. when the chips are down, you're away from home against a good team, far away from home, and this matters. I mean, what does yeah. that say about our playoff chances? Like, we're we're hinging everything. Ah, we'll get in, but like, yeah, there's an undertone of you know, very, yeah, very much pessimism here from me. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why I really think we need a home or a top two spot. It's because I'm worried we're not going to be able to watch any playoff games at home if we don't get the first one at home. Yeah. I'm not feeling confident about the playoffs, a victory in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, oh, man. It sucks because it was going so well a little while ago. <laughs> but 
you know, to counterbalance this, you know, we're still very likely to make the playoffs, which is a huge improvement from the beginning of this podcast, like when we started it way back. So, you know, that's... Yeah, but you can only say that, like, for three years in a row before you're like, is that enough? Like, you know, right. it's not a huge improvement. It's, well, this the is the third year, years. right? <laughs> Look, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's going to be the argument with Lily, right? Is that, oh, he makes the playoffs every year. But if you exit in the first game of the playoffs every year, then, like... Arson Wenger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's... <laughs> Is that how we want to be known as like the arsenal of the USL? Like that's just going to happen. Wait, this is going to happen for another three years or probably 20 (laughs) based off of Arsene Wenger's track record. We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to be the upset fan base. We're going to pick it outside of Highmark, say, get Lily out. He's going to go. And then we're going to get like, right. You know, regulation will be a thing. (laughs) And then we'll get relegated to, to league one. Okay, let's talk about something slightly more positive. At this point, we're we're sort of all kind of hoping for at least a point, but we'll see what happens. Um, guys, so big news uh, came out. Uh, it was broken by Jeff Router over at the Atlantic, at the Athletic. Um, we've known for a while now that obviously the the players have had a players association in the USL, which has been fantastic. They finally sat down with the USL and they have agreed in principle to terms for a collective bargaining agreement, which we've talked about in terms of building the league, building consistency, getting good players in, having something like this in place is only going to help. Um, you know, it's sort of the rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. And so just to quickly go through everything that's been included. Now, each of these things still needs to be voted on by both the players and uh, the ownership before it's actually passed. But in theory, they have agreed in principle to all of these things. The first thing, is setting economic baselines. So right now, players basically get paid whenever ownership wants to pay them. Starting in 2022, the lowest a player can be paid is 2,700 a month. And then that gradually increases to 2025 when the lowest they can be paid is $3,100 a month. This isn't Premier League salaries. It's not the Premier League. But this will immediately improve the compensation situation for 25% of the league, which is huge. Like we know of players that, you know, drive Uber in their free time to make extra money because like they can't afford to live off these salaries. And I think having this baseline, having it steadily increase is only a positive. Um, In addition to the economic baseline, they're instituting a mandatory 10 month minimum for player contracts. So I just said that in 2025, it'll be 3,100 a month. Now you have to have a player for at least 10 months. There are some teams that currently sign players to seven month, seven month contracts. So they were making, you know, pennies for seven months. Now they can make a little bit more for 10 months guaranteed, which is great. In addition to that, there were three other standard practices that were included. First of all, players get a per diem for travel up front to handle meals and things like parking whenever they go away. Currently, a lot of teams will give the, they'll reimburse the players, but the players have to pay out of pocket for those sorts of things. So giving the players the money up front sort of helps alleviate any sort of economic burden they have there. There is greater structure for player appearances on behalf of the club. So it sounds like what has happened up to this point is, you know, players might get last minute phone calls. Like we need you to show up at this thing for this place and whatever. And they just have to show up. And now at least the CBA sets a minimum advance notice for players. And then finally they put in a standardized grievance procedure to streamline the process for all players. So if players have an issue, they know exactly who they're supposed to go to. And there's a chain of hierarchy of how those things get reviewed. So guys, it feels like, you know, this is some some pretty big news. You know, Josh, what are your sort of thoughts on 
what was sort of announced as part of this whole CBA and uh, and what it could potentially mean moving forward. Yeah, it's a it's a huge deal, not just for the players currently here, but also, you know, attracting talent to USL. Because um, you can imagine a situation where seeing these more stringent rules in place for this league will sway people, players who are in, you know, some of the lower divisions in other countries that mm-hmm. kind of have had these issues a lot where people aren't getting paid or, you know, the front office is just lackadaisical with a lot of this type of stuff. So it, it's nice to see that. That could be a, a huge get but at the same time there's some things to to be a little bit wary about like uh i can't remember i was trying to find out why you were talking but uh i can't remember who brought it up but talking about how some of these wages can be paid with room and board um and if that's the case like okay so if they're saying like oh this place that we let you live in for free is considered you know a thousand five hundred dollars a month is it though or is that just what you're saying so that way you don't have to pay them as much money um, and that's, you know, that's been something the Hounds have actually had room uh, provided for a lot of their players for a long time. So you got to be a little bit worried about that. Um, so I'm hoping there are some protections for for just those type of things that to make yeah. sure that the players aren't getting, you know, kind of they think they're making two thousand five hundred or whatever uh, a month. But half that's taken away from right. their their room. Um unjustly obviously if the room's worth it then cool but yeah. you know they should have that option so it, it overall positive i am I'm, I'm excited to see this it's what we need to grow this league um and i don't think anything that was stated is unreasonable at all so yeah agreed kev what are your thoughts i mean same thing i mean, i i'm not i wasn't aware of this until it was being discussed on the podcast so um no i mean i giving these players <laughs> pricing these players talents at a higher level and it, I, i'm making a very general statement and i'm not a con i'm not an economist i'm not a sports economist but it, it my intuition is it just it, it raises the level of quality throughout the league i mean because even like everything about it let's say even like no new talent comes in the league and you're staying with the same pool of players like so much of that just improves quality of life player quality i mean now you have maybe a bit more time and financially you can swing like training more or like it makes sense still you know i mean like a lot if like this is like near poverty line level payments <laughs> of stuff especially for the for like seven months and so you know when you have i don't want to swear a butthole like me uh on this podcast being like you know, he go he he like he goes the ground too much, or he's like you know he's, that we look tired or whatever. And it's like it, rightfully, I mean, like all these players could be like, "Are you kidding me? Like, look how much money I'm making. I'm trying." It's just like you know, and so yeah, I think any any kind of yeah, I mean, it, it, these kind of initiatives are great, and and to be able to to price these players' talent at a at a place where. There, it's more justified and in a place where it, it it's justified for how much, you know, time and passion that, that fans put into the game. Yeah. It, I think it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. My immediate thought, Josh was similar to yours. I thought, first of all, you know, this is really good for the players, like good for them, good for, you know, the player association. It, it basically, you know, this is why the player association was created to make sure that there were certain standards that were, 
in place to protect all the players. And, and it, this feels like a really good starting point. Um, but I also thought about the fact that, you know, you hear all of these stories, like you said, of players that go abroad and play in, in countries that, you know, even some of the lower leagues in England, you know, where it's, they're not getting paid or the facilities are terrible, or like you think you're going over there for an opportunity. And really it's just, it's, it's not good. And so I think this goes a long way towards establishing the USL as, you know, one of the, at least from a management standpoint, one of the better second divisions in the world. I mean, you know, you, you talk about like the championship in England, which has probably run pretty similar to the premier league, at least in terms of financially and, and, and uh, you know, stadiums and things like that. But beyond that, um, you know, looking out for the players is only going to benefit the league as a whole moving forward. And I think if there's any owners that are reluctant to do anything like this, like, let's have this conversation in five years time and see what the quality is and, and see, you know, what the stands look like and all of that, because I think this is only another stepping stone in the right direction for the league. So I'll be curious to see just specifically how it affects the hounds with, for example, a lot of the players uh, coach in the off season because Mm -hmm. the the extra income is really needed. Now, are we going to see less players opt to do that because they're making better wages? Um, Right. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure the, the money is still to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm going to coach still. Yeah. Um, but I do think it, it might be a situation where, you know, I, I remember stories and have seen like players rolling into the parking lot in you know, uh, construction <laughs> gear because they just got off of a job <laughs> doing yep. something. And so, you know, they're, they're working their odd jobs uh, here and there during the season, which I feel like is the worst thing that you kind of, want to see it go away because you want these players to be fully focused on the soccer and on, you know, making that their top priority as far as the job goes. Uh, but if they don't make enough money, they can't do that. Right. Yeah. Agree. 100% talking briefly. Um, I was going to look it up because I can't remember the exact level, but uh, our buddy, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Robbie Vincent, I believe just finished his class oh, yeah. a coaching license. Um, so good on him. We knew that it was in the works and there was talk of, um, uh, one of the scrimmages that happened mid season with the hounds, they actually put in place because, uh, Rob needed some minutes coaching at a certain level. And so they had put it in place and, uh, yeah, so he's worked on it for the past 12 months and he now has the U S soccer, a senior license. So, you know, it's not going to be long now before we're going to see a gaffer Vincent somewhere (laughs) doing something, um, which will be awesome, you know, good on him. Like we, we've talked to him, I want to say a couple of times now and overall just seems like a great dude. Um, you know, really just sort of focused on, he has a lot of pride and passion in coaching, uh, a lot of pride and passion in the game. And, uh, you know, he's a bit of a Hounds legend. So yeah, <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit. a bit, a bit. Yeah. So good on you, Rob. Well done. Um, so some quick Googling, I mean, I, quickly going back to like the player salaries and everything. I mean, I, I tried to find a bunch of different sources um, for comparison. Mike, you, you mentioned, you know, and Josh about different leagues around the world. Um, and someone brought up like England or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, let me, let me just try to find some statistics around like league two. League two is the fourth tier in, in England. Um, so the average attendance for league two, apparently 
uh, is around like 4,500, which mm. seems kind of ish equivalent to USL. Um, and it, it looks like on the lower end um, of League Two player salaries, it's going to be around like $4,000 a month. Um, and that's the lower end. That, that it might not even be average. Uh, average is probably closer to, you know, $6,000 a month or something. Yeah. Oh, and, and this is pounds, but, you know. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a huge, if those numbers are right and if those metrics are correct, there's a huge disparity if you want to say League Two is USL level as far as like attendance and like eyeballs are concerned. All right. I'm now looking, converting dollars to pounds. Oh, um, it's not that big of a difference. <laughs> Well, plus it's like it? the, economy, the economy, like you're spending that money in England, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's actually, yeah, the conversion is the, the yeah, never mind. It's it. Okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> speaking of England guys, anything to discuss it as it relates to the premier league? I already lamented on air. The fact that Villa pulled a stinker against uh, Tottenham and it was there for the taking and they didn't take it. So, Kev, you guys had a uh, had a big draw on the week. Sala making the uh, argument for player of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I think I thought it was a great game. Um, I thought it was just yeah, just two two top teams going for it, uh, respecting each other, you know, swinging when they needed to, and kind of playing defensively when they needed to. Um, it was a really fun game. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a, a draw is reasonable and. Uh, the whole Salah thing. Look, I, I love Salah. I think he's, I think he's incredible. Um, I mean, I st- like Holland still scoring a goal game in Germany, and like I just don't know how you can't say that. <laughs> like as as Holland being the and then like same and Bobby putting up similar numbers. So, I mean, Salah's incredible, and I love him. Um, uh, and yeah, I I really want him to get a new contract. That's still kind of hanging over Liverpool, but no, I I think this. Uh, the Chelsea game, Liverpool, when Liverpool played Chelsea, that was still a bit of, kind of up in the air because Chelsea kind of outplayed us for the first 30 minutes. And then, you know, we get the, the penalty and the red card. They got on 10 men for the majority of the game and they just hold us. So that was always kind of a weird game to try to assess how Liverpool looked in comparison with the rest of the teams in the league. Um, but this game, you know, uh, it has me convinced now, okay, yeah, Liverpool can make a, make a title push this season. Um, when they when they go toe to toe with City like that, and play so well. Um, so yeah, I mean, crack on, and see see what happens. Do you think like when you're looking at the end of the season, do you really think Liverpool is going to be at the t- who who do you think's winning it all this year, Kev? I mean, it's it's I, it's probabilities. I mean, I, it's I probably City still. I mean, it, City's been there, done it. Um, they have a lot of experience, and I, I yeah, I, they have a really good squad. Um, I, I think we'll be right there with them. Uh, I think Chelsea is interesting. They're kind of the hot topic, cool kid on the block right now for a lot of good reason. I think Tuchel's great. I think defensively they're great, and Lukaku's incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see if they can kind of put together over 38 games. Um, no, I, I legitimately think, you know, Liverpool will be up there uh, by the end of the season, yeah. Josh, you guys got a massive draw against United this weekend as well. So, you yeah, know, a lot of people happy. were saying United were title contenders. And then after the past two weeks, we sort of the uh, what we're not. Is it Kazoo? Is that our sponsors? The Kazoo Cousins um, knock them <laughs> down a peg. So that's good. But you're feeling good about that? No, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm 
it's way too early to be optimistic or pessimistic <laughs> about anything. I, mean, I said both. I didn't say I didn't say I was just being negative. I'm just saying <laughs> it's too early to be positive or negative about the team. So, and everything still seems up in the air with Everton as far as, you know, their player signings and all that kind of stuff and what's going on. So, it's hard to tell what's happening right now, but I'll take a draw against Manchester United. I watched that game. It was a great game. I thought yeah. Everton played really well. I did not watch the game. <laughs> I was in Nashville. Lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are saying uh, Ronaldo is actually making United worse. Kev, do you have any thoughts on that? You're shaking. No, your head I think now. I think their manager is making them worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's no, fair. I, I, no, I, I think Ronaldo is incredible. I, look, I have every reason to hate Ronaldo. I mean, he's you know I'm a Liverpool fan. He's Manchester United god and. Uh, but I, I kind of like Ronaldo. I think he's, you know, whatever. And, and he's, I think he's great. And I think, I think he may, come on, he scored like every game he started for them so far. I mean, like, so no, I, I don't no, think he makes he hasn't. You want to check that? Because I feel like I do, because like they did. played Aston Villa last week and he didn't score. Or he's, I, well, I think he's, he scored like five goals or something already okay. this season, including Champions League or whatever. But anyway, I don't know if he scored this weekend. I missed. I missed the hour. He did not. Yeah, well, he did. there you go. Well, yeah, there but he go. didn't start this game. No, there you go, Kev. Okay. He came on as an appearance. So right. no, I don't think he's making him worse. I think their manager is just kind of out of his depth. Um, and I thought I, I like it was. It was kind of funny. They, like it was. It was all in good fun. and It was a joke. Um, but uh, uh, Ronaldo was being subbed on, and like the United coaches. Like he was put on shin pads and United coaches were like next to him with like clipboards and everything. And like even the commentators are like, Why are you telling Ronaldo what to do? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, like just let it like he's gonna do what like he knows what to do. Like just yeah. just sub him on and just let him play. <laughs> and you could tell like in his head he was like, Yeah, no, I know, I got it. Yep, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. So let me put my shin pads on, guys. Yeah, Leave me alone. Yeah. Pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we're facing. He's another... like, he's like, how much do you make? Like, are you <laughs> <wired time?" laughs> no, I won't give you an autograph. <laughs> Put the clipboard away. Uh, we're facing yet another international break, so we have no Premier League this weekend. Which all the more reasons that not that you know we're preaching to the choir here. Everybody's going to be watching the Hounds on Sunday against Tampa. So um, get down. There's only three home games left. Well. As of right now, there's only three home games left of the season. So we got Tampa at home on Sunday, Wait, Miami, <laughs> and then we have two more. <laughs> they got to earn it, man. That's where we're at. Um, so, yeah. So head down the high mark Sunday night, catch the game, cheer on the guys. Let's get three points and get it done. Guys, anything else that uh, you wanted to touch on here before we close out? Kev, you have one more thing you said. Is that is that what that is? That thumbs up means one more yeah, thing. Yeah, I count ones on my thumb. You count ones on your thumb. I figured you did. This guy. Yeah, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks to those who have uh, been watching live and have been adding comments. We highly appreciate it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, make sure you head over to mongols.com. Click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Weekly reminder, as usual, that Black Lives Matter. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news? 
Head over to BGN.FM where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful games. Fans and players. Lots of great features that are up on the site this week. Go check them out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.